This is episode 45 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I am so proud of the Outlander fandom. <laughs> Why? I'm so proud of them. They, they um, what they have done for the Outlander season two premiere through a glass darkly. Mm-hmm. They made it the most highest rated premiere of any show on Stars ever. What? Ever. Say that one more time. The Outlander fandom made the Outlander premiere, season two, the highest rated premiere of Star's history. And it included live 1.5 million people were watching it live. I'm giving all of you high fives over the internet, over your podcast player. <laughs> Virtual high five. Way to be. But that's not even the best part yet. Okay. See, the way that they talk about these numbers is that there's a rating system called the Nielsen rating system. Which I hate, but continue. I know, me too. I hate it. I can't stand it because it's it's full of crap. But it helps my argument here, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> um, what they do is they tabulate the live numbers, but they also have these two other categories called live plus three and live plus seven. Now, live plus three is the amount of people who watched it live plus the amount of people who watched it on their DVR after the first, well, within the first three days of the airing. Do you understand what I mean? Yes. Okay, great. We haven't gotten to the live plus seven yet because it hasn't been seven days, but the live plus three numbers took it from 1.5 million yep. and they it turned it into 2.7 million. Now, is this including watching it on like Apple TV or Amazon? Mm-mm. No, it's not. No, th- those numbers are tabulated by the company itself. Wow! So this isn't even including that. No, no. This is this is just stars subscriptions and on people's DVRs, all that other stuff. Perfect. So it has. It, it's now, and I'm saying this not because I'm trying to be an idiot here, but but, but because it's true. Two point seven million is a great number. That is an average number, you know, average at best number for like a broadcast network like ABC or NBC. That is something that would kind of be on the bubble for one of those for one of those networks. For example, The Walking Dead averages 17 million people per episode. Game of Thrones on HBO averages about 8 million people per episode. So I don't want to go too crazy here. But the fact that this is the most popular premiere in Stars' history mm-hmm. makes it a, an extremely valuable commodity. And what that has done is that it has you guys, you the listeners, you the viewers, you the fans of Outlander have essentially guaranteed a season three. Now, of course, it's not confirmed. You don't no, want to be giving false confirmed. hope. But-, but you pretty much have. You pretty much have. Mm-hmm. It, it's season three, I think, is pretty much coming. Uh, based on these numbers. I mean, stars would be crazy not to renew it. They would. 
it, it's it, this is a this is a valuable IP, and uh, it's now their most popular show. Awesome. Which which is uh, which is awesome. So um, <laughs> I, it's again not confirmed, again not a fact, but in my in this humble podcast's opinion. Uh, we're, we're talking season three here, so I'm really excited about that. My love, do you have anything to get into before we get into our, our first official listener feedback? I'm so excited. This is, of course, our second episode of the week, but it's just because there's so much amazing listener feedback that we want to make sure that you, the listeners, have a chance to shine and share your opinions because... There are many fantastic opinions out there. So this is why we are having the second episode. That's right. And you guys have just as much of a voice as we do. We're all one giant community, so we're all here together. And uh, we figure, let's uh, let's give you the opportunity to speak, because you heard us talk for an hour and a half in the last episode, and I'm sure you're probably sick of us uh, talking. So, uh, my love, are you ready to get into the listener feedback? Anything else you need to say before we get into it? That's it. All right, let's do it. This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Outlander Experience. Have you always wanted to see the sweeping vistas of the Scottish Highlands and retrace the steps of Jamie and Claire, but were overwhelmed by the planning? Worry no more, because all you have to do is visit www.theoutlanderexperience.com where you can book a fully planned, fully escorted 10-day luxury tour of Scotland. Join Jeff Robertson, owner of the Outlander Experience, as he personally guides you through all the major sites in Scotland where Outlander Season 1 was filmed, and much more. Visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip you've always wanted but never knew you needed, and tell him that Marion Blake sent you. Theoutlanderexperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. Woof! Love it! Love it. Love the story, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we got some stories written to us via email. The first one came from Kelly. And Kelly asks, did anyone catch the sniffing of the clothes by Frank? Did BJR not sniff Claire's hair in Wentworth Prison and again sniff Jenny's face in the oh. Garrison Commander? Could it be BJR trait that Frank has as well? Just something I noticed. Oh, yeah, actually, we did notice that. I think we, I think we brought that up in the last podcast too. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. the last episode. Uh, yes, uh, it, he's just BJR is just so creepy. Didn't he? Didn't he lick? Uh, what's her name's face yeah. too? Jenny's face. Yes. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, from Angela, she says, Blake, I have to tell you, despite what you may have heard from the quote unquote book fans, show Frank is not much different from than the book Frank. The character Frank is bantered about among many book fans. Those of us who felt and appreciated Frank from the books aren't saying much because we agree with Ron's take. And so does Diana, by the way. The Frank bashers, though, are coming out saying the book says this and that and making book virgins like you believe that Diana depicted him in a bad way and Ron Moore is changing him. And that is false. He is more fleshed out in the show, which is natural. He is slightly more sympathetic, but that is mainly because a lot of what we see of Frank in the book series is told through Claire's perspective and memories. Therefore, Diana has slightly tainted some of them through Claire's own sense of guilt, sadness, frustration, the shade of BJR. So Ron has removed a little bit of that taint because he is showing the objective point of view. So even so, Claire herself says that throughout the book that Frank was kind and honorable, sweet 
and caring, intelligent, and a wonderful father and a good man. Frank is a significant character in the books, and his character informs or impacts all of the main characters, but he's also a tragic figure as well. That isn't to say that he doesn't have flaws. Of course, he certainly does. So do Jamie and Claire, for that matter. But Blake, just know that this isn't a book versus show thing. These battles have raged among the book fans, and I have seen Diana go to bat for Frank as a character time and time again. And Claire truly cares for him and even loved him in a way. He just wasn't her Jamie, her soulmate. And now that she had that person, a part of her heart can't embrace Frank now. A part of her heart was left in the 1740s. However, she does care for him. She goes to great lengths and danger trying to get back to him in book one and equally goes through a lot after that to try to protect him. She never took off of his ring. She agreed to be with him when she came back and trusted him as a father to her child. And she did the best she could to be a good wife to him. She wouldn't do all of that for a bad guy. Wow, that last statement. I think that nails it. I, 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 all of that, right? It's all encompassed right in that final statement. What do you think? I think that there is a huge frank debate <laughs> among the Outlander fandom, as we will get to see in some more listener feedback that we have here. Yes. So this is one stance on Frank. I. I think that she brings up a lot of good points. And the biggest one to me is that we all know and love Claire. And one of the greatest things about Claire is that she is a smart, independent woman. Hmm. And she would not have stayed with Frank if she didn't want to and didn't think that it was safe for her or anything like that. You know, Claire was able to see, in my opinion, that Frank was human. And just like this, this writer said. He's not her soulmate. Right. And how sad that she had a taste of what a soulmate felt like. Right. And then she had to go back to Frank. But um, I agree with a lot of this writer. So on Facebook, we got a, a comment from Angie Coots. And she says, I have such problems with some of your conclusions and theories. I'm having trouble even putting my thoughts together. Oh, no. Wow. That is an opening statement if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Still listening to your podcast and keep wanting to yell at my phone. But since I'm at work, that would be very inappropriate. Thank you. This episode, to me, in no way gives us a Frank worthy of Claire. First of all, everyone seems to be expecting Claire to simply put aside her love of Jamie after a week. It's like asking a woman to get over it, quote unquote, a week after her husband died. Good point. Uh, See, I disagree with that. I'm not expecting her to get over Jamie. I'm not expecting her. Neither is Frank, by the way. Yeah, no, I know. But uh, for example, uh, Reverend Wakefield is being like, it's already been a week. Come on. She should be saying something. Well, that's the character in the story. I think what we're she's saying she has such a problem with our conclusions that she had to put the podcast down, which is fine. I, I'm OK with that. Uh, that that's that's the whole idea. We're here. We're here to talk about it. But we're not saying that she that she's got to get over Jamie. And I, I never implied that um, I. I I think that there's a little bit of projection going on here, but that that's fine. We are not Reverend Wakefield. No, Don't we're you not. Worry, Claire Andrew. should have been allowed to mourn her loss, and her coldness towards Frank is understandable. Now, that is something that I do agree with. She's, she's emotionally numb after the death of her soulmate, but she has a little piece of him inside of her. And Frank had just spouted those impassioned words and pleading with Claire to come back to him, that nothing in her past mattered to him until... He's actually slapped in the face with proof 
of her relationship. I felt Frank was shown to be a bit hypocritical in that very moment with his rage. And I just heard Blake say Frank allows Claire to keep Jamie's ring. Allows? Allows? Grrr. And Jamie's stipulations, quote unquote, for marrying Claire, they were all to make sure the marriage was completely legitimate and could not be challenged by anyone. Mm-hmm. And everything he required was for Claire's benefit. So Frank's unconditional love, quote unquote, now comes with his conditions of one, no, no longer looking for Jamie. Two, the baby would be raised by as his child. And moving on to the transition, because that's where you are in the podcast. To me, Claire was remembering coming down that gangplank from the ship and the smile was of her memory of Jamie waiting for her at the bottom of the gangplank. The biggest problem with the second half of the episode was the fact that Ron can't write Claire and Jamie together as a couple. I've never seen any of his episodes that had any true emotional connection between the two of them. He definitely has more of an affinity for Frank, which is why the first 38 freaking minutes had more emotional content in it. <sighs> Angie, <clears throat> Yes, I agree with you uh, that Frank is a tad hypocritical uh, when the rage comes out. But I think as Claire's numbness is understandable, I think his rage is also a tad understandable, too. And not that I'm saying I want him to hit her or be mad at her. Uh, What I think is understandable is the fact that it was this moment of like, bliss and glee oh my god you're pregnant he wasn't thinking straight you hear all these things you hear the fact that your your wife is back you you hear she's pregnant maybe it was me and then and then that slow realization was no it's not and it was i think it was more directed at him than anything than towards her uh and it was just frustration that's why you saw him leave the room and that's why you saw him take a bat to all the terracotta pots uh, because he was just pissed off, like it, his his own emotional um, his own emotional cathedral was, had been crumbled. Uh, my love, do you agree with that, or what do you think? You know, I think that um, Frank's conditions uh, they're really touchy, and yet I can understand them. Yeah, I mean, because- how could you not? Because especially the raising the child as his own, Mm -hmm. you know, he's saying, I want to take you and this baby to the Americas. Mm -hmm. Frank's always wanted a baby. Mm -hmm. And how would you ever honestly explain this to the baby? Like, hey, um, I got pregnant with you, but it was in the past and I came to the future. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but that is just not anything uh, a little Mm -hmm. kindergartner can go to show and tell and say, guess what? (laughs) My mom's a (laughs) Sassanac. So, uh, you know, not only for his sake, but also for the for the child's sake. And then the part where the no looking for Jamie, that is so hard on us. And it's so hard on Claire. But when you put yourself in a position, um, I feel like we all have been in those relationships where we were with someone and that someone pined for someone else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you trying to tell me? No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now. No, you know what I'm talking about? Like probably in college or high school or even junior high, heck, and it drove you crazy. And I can look back on it and laugh in those days. Yes. But, you know, of course, this is a deeper level. This is marriage. This is adults. But we all have known what that felt like. And I think in in Frank's opinion, I mean, he knows Jamie is is no longer there. She left him in the past. Mm -hmm. And so to him, it's like, why search 
for this ghost and waste yourself away. You've been you've been sitting and mourning for a week. Um, I wish he would have given her a little bit more of a grace period because I agree. <laughs> she just found out that that her husband is no longer well there. i think i think the grace period is there because the ring is staying on and yes uh angie i did use the word allows if you if we're if you want to play semantics um the, the maybe the semantical game would be maybe he's just understanding of the ring being on that's a better word uh, or he's cool with the fact that the ring is on and what i mean allows is you know <clears throat> one of his stipulations is listen you can't you can't chase after this ghost anymore and I and I, and I need you to accept that for for us, not just for me, but for us. If we're gonna do this, please let's let's do this together. And I don't want to have one foot in, and I don't want to have one foot out. Mm-hmm. I want to be in. And how it, it, for the very fact she he didn't say take the ring off. He didn't say I want that thing removed immediately. Get it out of my face. She was the one who started doing it. And as and she took it as though Frank wants this off. And he says to her, no, 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 when you're ready, what, when, whenever you're ready, please. So he is, in fact, allowing her to keep it on. Well, and good thing, because she probably had swollen joints being pregnant. <laughs> That's probably true. Seriously. So, yes, allows is the right term. But if you want to play semantics, fine. He's understanding. I like it. that word better. Uh, okay. All right. Janice Schur on Facebook said, I've always thought Frank was a good man to stand beside Claire, but that their marriage was a loveless one. And that was sad. But I practically have the books memorized. If I had never read the books, I think the way the show handles Frank would be absolutely necessary to make any sense of the show and why Claire wanted to go back to Frank. And Tobias Menzies is a fantastic actor. (laughs) I think he is the best of the three of them. All that being said, I'm glad to go back to Jamie and Claire. Janice, you nailed it on all points. I, on all points, and the fact, and also that Tobias is the best of the three of them. <laughs> In your opinion, he like he. Listen, I there, some people have a problem with all the Tobias gushing that we have going on, and th- that's fine. At least that I have going on because I do have. A, I, <laughs> I was just going to say that you do. I have a man crush, <laughs> but you can't you can't tell me that he's not the best out of the three. If you can make a, a if listen, anybody in the in the Outlander universe can make a good case for me, I'm willing to listen. After to After that one episode, I would say yes. Yes, that one episode. Melinda L. Portman on Facebook said if. 38 minutes in the first episode of season two means that we're now done with Frank. I'm okay with that. Tobias was terrific, but please, let's move on. Yes. Now, this is a good point for all the Frank haters out there that wanted that thought that too much Frank was happening. If this is all that we're getting of Frank for the 38 minutes for this entire season, then I think the amount of time that was dedicated to him in the premiere, it's warranted. Uh, it's it's warranted because it, again it adds another layer and yes even I as a, as a team Frank guy would say okay it's time to move on even though I would like to see Claire in both timelines and have that play out simultaneously if they moved on I'd be fine with it. Donna Kreese says, I had to stop listening to the podcast to write this because I'm so riled up about the conclusions that TV Frank is that this is he is this saccharine loving man who only wants his wife back. TV Frank is extraordinarily jealous of the man uh, who gave Claire a child, which man, by the way, he can smell on her clothing. <laughs> 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 Against that, it's uh, it's Frank's spidey senses coming yes. back. He did not burn those clothes for any other reason than to remove the smell of Jamie from her consciousness. When Claire told Jamie the truth about her past, Jamie's response was to give her the choice to go back to Frank. 
Frank's reaction is to burn her clothing and demand that she not ever try to find the man. TV Frank almost hitting Claire out of anger and jealousy is the true nature of the man. Jamie punishing Claire was not done out of anger or jealousy and was not done in the moment. What Jamie did in the moment out of anger was to forgive her for everything she had done or would do. Whew. Now I can go back and listen to the rest of the podcast. What do you think about this, sweetheart? I, okay, Jamie punished Claire and thought it out. Uh, it wasn't out of anger, but he still punished her physically. And I'm a modern woman and mm-hmm. I'm not down with that. And yep. Claire forgives Jamie because she understands where he's coming from. She understands that it's part of the time frame. Yep. Um, I don't think she would have forgiven Frank. No, no, he would have been dead to her. Even if it was the same exact situation, I don't think she would have forgiven Frank. I think she forgave Jamie because Jamie is her soulmate. Jamie is Jamie and Frank is Frank. I, I'm i just saying that as a modern woman, any form of physical abuse, it really makes me uncomfortable. Right. So that's why I had to bring up that point. I do not think that Jamie's was out of anger. Um, I do think that Frank had a smorgasbord of of emotions going through him, but he mm-hmm. controlled himself right. in in regards to hitting Claire. I mean, to a point. Uh, I mean, he he was there. He was in her face. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he, he but he didn't hit her. No, correct. And that and that I think that's key. I that, mean, it's still scary. And in, uh, the the point that I think that Donna is making is that even though you know Jamie hit her, it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of like being pissed off like like Frank would have been. But the argument doesn't hold water because Frank didn't hit Claire. And no, the anger wasn't a part of Jamie's punishment of Claire, but he hit Claire. It, it just, it is what it is, right? Um, so, you know, I, I that's just the way that I feel that it is. Donna Antar- Antaramian, wow, I'm sorry if I smoked your name um last season i never got to listen to your podcast but it was great to hear this perspective of a, of the show from a reader and a non-reader i like mary am a book reader many times over i'm not a frank hater and not all book readers are i believe frank unlike bjr is able to control his anger as we were just talking about i never thought that he would hit claire one thing that blake mentioned book jamie beat claire to the inch of her life and enjoyed this what he gave her 12 lashes on her bum and said that to Claire that, as for my pleasure, his lip twitched. I said I would have to punish you. I did not say I was not going to enjoy it. He crooked a finger at me. And I thought the first 40 minutes should have been 30 minutes. The whole Reverend and Frank talk was a little too long, and I did not like how they changed Jamie's personality on the last half. <sighs> okay. Donna, first of all, thank you for being a new listener. This is for you. Um, and I thank you for for coming in and uh, and chatting with us about this. And I, I will say this. Be careful with what you're saying about Jamie uh, and not enjoying it. Uh, and the reason why I said that is because he, in fact, did enjoy hitting Claire. Now, I did not do this particular research, but our editor-in-chief, Kendra Spring Classic, did, and she wrote an entire post about this whole thing. And, I, and if you bear with me for a moment, I'd like to read what, of what some of what Kendra had to say in this post. 
Basically, she says, if you want to say he didn't enjoy inflicting pain so much as he enjoyed fighting her back, be careful. This is one of the many reasons some men prefer to get their sexual exploits without bothering that whole pesky consent thing. They don't enjoy it unless the woman is fighting back. Don't believe that Jamie enjoyed it? Let's take a stroll back to the text again, shall we? And Jamie will tell you that himself. You bar- you barbarian! You sadist! I hissed furiously. You're doing this for your own pleasure. I'll never forgive you for this. Oh my god, you're so bad. <laughs> Jamie paused, twisting the belt. He replied levelly, I, I didn't know what a sadist is, and if I forgave you for this afternoon, I reckon you'll forgive me too as soon as you can sit down again. And then this is what Donna says. As for my pleasure, his lip twitched. I said I would have to punish you. I did not say I was not going to enjoy it. He crooked a finger at me. Come here. Now, this this little passage was in chapter 22 called Reckonings of Outlander. But what Donna isn't saying is the next portion. What I can't forgive, I said, my voice raising slightly in spite of myself, is that you enjoyed it. Enjoyed it, Sasanaki said, gasping. You don't know just how much I enjoyed it. You were so... God, you looked lovely. I was so angry, and you fought me so fierce. I hated to hurt you, but I wanted to do it at the same time. Jesus, he said, breaking off and wiping his nose. Yes, yes, I did enjoy it. So one thing I've seen over and over again in defense of this scene is that Jamie only spanked her and that this is not technically a beating. So do me a quick favor. Go to the text and find the place where it says the word spanking. Go ahead, please do it. I- I'll wait. I don't, I'm not going to go get my book. <laughs> well, fine. That's because it's not there at all. Nor was the term strapping. We've mentally inserted this to soften it up and forgive some of the violence for it. Stillman maintained that he didn't beat her. Let's go back and count the number of times the conjugation of the term beat appears in reference to this scene. No, you know what? Don't, don't go back. I'll save you the time. It's eight. Eight times if you include the reference after Claire reveals the truth to Jamie that after he rescues her from the witch trial. Eight freaking times. And the most troubling quote disregarding the part where he congratulates himself for not raping her directly afterwards is is this one it had been a most unpleasant night my reluctant acquiescence had lasted precisely as far as the first searing crack of leather on flesh this was followed by a short violent struggle which left me half smothered in the greasy quilts with my knee in my with a knee in my back and then this is what donna says i i, I mentioned not Oh, well, Donna. I know. Okay. Donna mentions this. She says, beaten within an inch of her life? That didn't happen. So let's just listen. I want you to listen carefully now to the next sentence. Smothered in the greasy quilts with a knee in my back, being beaten within an inch of my life. And this was written in Chapter 22, Reckonings. So by, I, by who? By Diana Gabaldone herself. So what I'm trying to say is... he. And and I I even made the point here in the TV show it didn't look like Jamie enjoyed it but in the book he did and the and the text says it right then and there so I just wanted to say sorry uh, Donna <laughs> I don't I don't know what to tell you well and this is where it gets weird because the book and the show are separate so you're able to quote the book which does say beaten within an inch of my life and let's bring it up again Claire is right. a brilliant smart woman who knows about health and she would know if she was beaten. 
are right. not. Right. No, I, I agree. I I totally understand. I'm just, and I even couched it in the last episode too, but I, I had to bring this up because everyone's talking about book Frank and book Jamie and all that other stuff. And the book says it right there that she was beaten within an inch of her life. Bob Loveless wrote in on Facebook that he has the exact opposite take than Blake regarding the season premiere. The first 40 minutes, in Bob's opinion, dragged. He said he just wanted to get on with the story <laughs> in 1745 to keep thinking, why is this present day episode being slipped in here? When is this thing with Frank going to end? Add that he just doesn't like Frank and it has nothing to do with the books because Bob has actually never read them. That a boy. When we finally got back to 1745, Bob was thanking God that finally we got back to the real story. <laughs> this episode, in Bob's opinion, would have gotten a four or five if it was the concluding one. But by interrupting the main story, and he thought it was just annoying, it gets a two or three and he apologizes. He says, sorry, Blake. That's okay, Bob. I, I appreciate and I respect your, uh, your, your opinion. Victoria Clatter says, do I have a hangover from BJR like Claire? I ask because no comment seems to have my reaction to Frank. He seemed manipulative and controlling to me, like that trait was just inherited along with his simmering anger issues, rage. Claire seems like a battered wife, accepting, watchful, wary of what Frank was offering, wishing she was dead, not with him again. I, you know, I can't deny that. She did, she did say those things and she did look like it. Brandy Allen says, the books are written from Claire's perspective and I love that, but for translating the story to the screen, I liked that Frank's reaction emotions were more explored more fully. Throughout the books, Claire shares various details throughout, but never in one extended scene. I appreciate the addition. I thought it made the translation to screen from more uh, seem more complete. Suzanne Marone Carew said, aside from the fact that Tobias is a phenomenal actor, hmm. the character was due that time. He may not be Jamie or the best match for Claire in the end and questionable lineage aside. But since the beginning, I struggled with his plight. Can you imagine being in this guy's shoes as a spouse? Just left behind like that. And then your wife comes back years later, pregnant, married, and basically a teleporter. <laughs> I say good for him for still being willing to be a stand-up human being, yet having some stipulations of his own and wanting to have some words of his own. Had they not spent that time on him, it wouldn't have got done the gravity of the situation from his point of view justice. And I love the quandary that's being set up right now. Not having read the books, I'm freaking out, says Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne, you know what? This is for you. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. Drop the mic. What do we got on Twitter, my love? Ashley Richardson says, I really wonder if Claire told Frank everything about BJR and their talk with him being such a fan of him. But, I, yeah. I don't. I do not think that Claire was like, hey, Frank, while I'm filling you in with everything, here's all this nasty stuff you need to know about this guy you idolized. I don't know. I, I feel like she would be honest with him. Why, why would she have the reason to hold back anything? Um, Because I don't think she would have necessarily held it back. I just don't think that she needed to tell him everything. I mean, they only spoke from what, like 10 p.m. till 7 a.m.? And have you? That's a long time. I know. Have, but a, you have a conversation for. You cannot read all of Outlander hours. in nine hours. <laughs> oh man, that that's a long time. I feel like she would have told him, uh, and if she did tell him, that would make it more interesting because then Frank is well aware of what happened with with BJR and everything, and he is now uh, 
he he can compare and contrast himself to that and he's again fully aware of what jamie underwent and what claire underwent uh annie howard tweeted at us and i and i wanted to and i wanted to mention this because this was my screw up she says hugh monroe was the one to give the dragonfly an amber also the one to tell jamie about About horrocks annie thank you so very much for clarifying (laughs) that for us that's what happens when we podcast at 11 p.m and i've had two glasses and we've we've done three podcasts in two days (laughs) you know i think i was just like picturing him saying horrocks (laughs) with the rocks (laughs) yeah (laughs) just stupid that was really good old hugh i know Reed Emma tweeted, great as always, you guys. I think Ron D. Moore should stick to writing Frank, though, or leave the writing to others. So, of course, echoing the statement above to maybe leave Jamie and Claire to other writers. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think there's a valid criticism here, honestly. Uh, I think I, I definitely think Ron trends more to Frank uh, and I think also to BJR as well. And my dog looks like Rankin says, remember how Jamie reacted to his sister when he thought she had Randall's Ooh, baby? He, mad. he got in Jenny's face. Both men are human. And my dog looks like Rankin. First of all, I love your name. And secondly, wow, excellent stuff there. That's 100% right. I, I forgot about that entirely. My love, what do we got in Instagram? Instagram, we had some amazing feedback on Instagram. I want to take, thank a special lovely who took the time to write it. Sheldon H361, or 36, sorry, not 361. <laughs> I am glad Claire went to speak with Mrs. Graham. She would have needed someone to believe in her because let's face it, Frank didn't believe what Mrs. Graham had to say when Claire disappeared. I would have liked for Claire to keep reacting to Frank like she did for at least a little longer, seeing as how his likeliness to Blackjack is just so twin-like. <laughs> I think for her not to see Frank as Blackjack so easily is unrealistic. The trials he put her through and and Jamie through would be really hard to forget. Plus, she just left Jamie and she just kept telling Frank that she loved Jamie deeply. I didn't like that she so easily went back to Frank. I too wish that we would have been privy to Claire and Mrs. Graham's conversation. I would have liked that too, but it would have been a tad redundant. And we wouldn't that's have had enough time. And that's why they didn't show you anything, any of the conversation between she and Frank. There just wasn't time. You already know the story. Um, but her so quickly going back to Frank, I, I mean, I don't know. You don't know how much time there is between uh, when they're in uh, Scotland and when they go to New York. Uh, and my other, my other question would be, what else does Claire have going for her? It's not. I'm not saying that the only thing that's good in her life is Frank, but here. And Mrs. Graham said this: Here is a man that loves you. He is here. He is here now. He is flesh and blood. He is devoting his life to you. Accept that. And if that was said to you, my darling, is that something that you could accept? You can't always get what you want. (laughs) I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I would have been a cold, numb person as well. JG on Instagram says, we really didn't see much about what he was going through except for a bit at the end of last season. So I love that a lot of season two, episode one, was Frank focused. And Mr. Menzies did an outstanding job. His work is always great, but the scene in front of the fireplace after Claire tells him her story, OMG, very powerful. We'll have lots of time to follow those other two. What are, their, what are their names again? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a great point. We have plenty of time to follow Jamie and Claire. Plenty. We have 12 more episodes. 12 more. 12 more hours of Outlander 
to to go. And so I think I think devoting 38 minutes to Frank is is fair. Okay. D loves books on Instagram said as Tobias said in an interview, this is adult storytelling. Jamie and Claire's love story has a price. Frank loves her. She loves Jamie. Everyone is brokenhearted, but they're going to try. The viewers who haven't read the books are left wondering what the heck happened? Why is she back in the 20th century? Sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And Die Loves Books, this, you made a great point. The love story has a price. And the price Claire has to pay and the price that Frank has to pay. And you don't know what price... Jamie has to pay quite yet because we're not privy to that information so far so far but you can imagine given Claire's grief and be how upset she is that it's it's probably something pretty intense that she had that he that he has to pay as well Melcrawl 8183 says I've always been a Tobias fan but thought Frank was cold before this episode Tobias gave him humanity and, sh- and they thought it was perfect Jessica Christ wrote, I've never been a Frank fan, but I agree with what a lot of others are saying. Tobias is amazing. I think we need to see how their reunion was. And to me, the episode did it justice instead of rushing to get the to the good stuff, meaning Jamie. <laughs> Jenny Ray 625 says the good was Kat. She played out Claire's emotions perfectly. I felt what she felt Two, the bad. If I had to pick something, I would say I needed more Jamie and Murtaugh. But I just rewatched season one, episode one, and realized that the breakdown of time that Claire spent in each time period is nearly identical for both episodes. In three, the great was Tobias. Yes. He was spectacular. In 15 minutes, he took me from absolutely loathing him as Blackjack to tears for Frank. But then in the moment after Claire told him she was pregnant for a split second, Frank was Blackjack and I hated him all over again. Overall, this was an amazing start to season two, and I cannot wait for more. Kcash26 for the GBG, the good, bad, great. So the, her, her or his, I don't know who K is, <laughs> the good was the transition from Frank to Jamie. It was very cinematic. Yes, it was. Something I would have changed was the narration. It's been used so effectively in the show, and I think it should have been used more in the second part of the episode to explain how much Claire wants to help him heal and just how worried she is about him. I completely agree with that, by the way. And Mm -hmm. uh, the great was, I know I'm in the minority, but I absolutely positively loved the jarring opening. While the scene is not exactly the same in the book, you feel like you've been punched in the gut when you start reading Dragonfly and you fly through it wanting to know how things will come back together. I love that the show opens up with the same style as if you were in a sort of come between something came between jamie and claire you want to find a way to rewrite the story don't worry everyone <laughs> there are a lot of doozies ahead it will not disappoint uh, you know k cash you are not in the minority i think a lot of people did like the cold open i for one really enjoyed the cold open i, I thought that too. was I, I really enjoyed it uh, you ready to get to the, uh, the voicemails yes all right let's do it hi this is sarah patterson I'm actually from Maryland, and I just wanted to call and say how much I love listening to you guys. You have great insights, love the different perspectives. Of course, I'm sure everybody does. And for this new episode of season two, I have to say I absolutely loved it. I am a book reader, and I was curious how they were going to do it. And it wasn't the same, of course, but I loved it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have to do next week. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it, too. 
So can't wait to hear that. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for calling in. That's so awesome. We love the praise. It makes you know. Listen, I'm I'm a little narcissistic. Let's just put it that way. I feel like you needed that after two people wrote in saying that they stopped listening. How they hate me, (laughs) pretty much. I think 30 minutes in 1948 should have been more than enough time spent with Frank. I know Ron has a thing for Frank, and I have nothing against Frank. He was an honorable man, but this is the Claire and Jamie story. Thank you. Well, you are welcome, my friend. Thank you for calling in. There's one thing I will ask of you, and I got it. Well, first of all, I I would request that when you call in next time or for anybody that calls in, please give us your name. And even though you didn't say where you were from, I noticed the accent uh, pretty well. When you say 1948, I think you're from around here. (laughs) So whoever you are, or you're from New England or Boston or something, so please just let us know who you are, where you're from. She's your Boston mystery woman. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Call back in, Boston mystery woman. 1948, you hear that? (laughs) I did. I I love what Ron Moore does, and he writes Frank great, but he's an honorable man. uh, Ooh, this is great. (laughs) This is my, my mystery Massachusetts girl. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Karen calling from Pennsylvania for the first time. I'm excited that you guys do this show, and thank you so much. I uh, just wanted to say what everybody else is thinking, that it's so cool to be out of Dreadlander. But anyways, to get to the show, how I felt about it, I just uh, got very emotional. I don't usually cry when I watch TV or movies, and I'm not one of those people that gets very weepy, but I couldn't help it. I cried several points during the show. Um, so first of all, Claire's beginning at the, the uh, Stones when she's just breaking down, crying both on at the Stones and on the road was just very emotional, and it was wonderful. Katrina did a great job. Also, uh, we get into a lot more Frank, and that was wonderful. I, I just can't believe how well Tobias did. It was mind-blowing that he did. Um, such a great job portraying Frank's side of things. And for just like two minutes, I've never been Team Frank. I'm sorry, Blake. But for about two minutes, I felt like I could be on his side for just, just a few minutes. But it, it was that wonderful. Anyhow, the changes that they made, I thought most of all, were very, very interesting. I thought it added to the story without changing it too much. Um, telling Mrs. Graham, I thought that was very interesting. Claire doing her research. I uh, wasn't a fan about her almost taking off the ring. Just had to say that, but also through, um, it took me a couple couple watches in about 24 hours to figure, I'm not too quick on this, to figure out, to link the title of the episode through Glass Darkly with all the stuff they did with through the windows, the window in the hospital, at the manse, and then also at the, um, the end of the 40s part when she's looking through the window in the airplane. I thought that was really cool. Um, so when they get to France, um, they, that transition with the hand-holding, was wonderful and gave me goosebumps. Um, felt a little like it was like a second bonus episode, which was cool. The one thing I didn't like, I wasn't a fan of, I didn't like the fact that they made it seem as if Claire was convincing Jamie um, and that he was kind of hesitant at first to go ahead and subvert the Jacobite cause. I felt like in the book, and this is a little book reader-ish, but um, in the book it was really something that they came to a conclusion and decided to do together, and it wasn't Claire convincing Jamie, who realized who in, in this in this version, Jamie's still recovering. In the book, he was already kind of recuperated when they got to France or when they got to Le Havre in Paris. But 
in the, in this show, he's a little weak and he needs convincing, but I, I didn't feel like that was an accurate reflection of their relationship. So that was one, one little beef and we'll see how it plays out. But anyhow, thanks guys for doing your show. Keep doing it. Keep up the good work. And I know you guys are busy with your kids, but, um, thank you for what you're doing and don't stop. Have a good day. Bye. Well, you are welcome, my friend. That's a babysitter's at four. <laughs> we have a babysitter upstairs. We're like, here's the mac and cheese. <laughs> See you later. Here's a few hot dogs and some peas. <laughs> we love our kids. Maybe but maybe we'll we should break. get the mystery Massachusetts woman to come babysit our kids too. <laughs> no. You know, that point that you brought up about Claire saying this stuff to Jamie and having Jamie be like, well, what do you mean? That was one part that really bothered me as well. And I'm, I'm just putting faith that... They had that happen because it was the season two premiere and God forbid someone started Outlander cold themselves, had never watched it before. They needed that kind of uh, exposition. Right. Like, okay, everybody, in case you forgot, <laughs> we're here to stop the Jacobite Rebellion. What, Claire? You yeah. heard me, Jamie. I Is mean, that I said even it, possible? I said it on the <laughs> podcast earlier. Like, you guys were just on a boat for a couple of days. Like, you've obviously talked about this plan before you came here. That's why you went there, and in right. the show, at least. So, and um, here's the problem with that scene, too. Listen, I don't mind the exposition. I understand that you have to catch people up, and I'm fine with that. But do it in a creative way. Don't have them do camera A, camera B, sitting on a bed, talking to each other, just going over you know, lines. I, I, that was not interesting. If you can tell me in an interesting way, camera movements uh, or uh, other ways of conversation or bringing it, up in, bringing it up differently, then having it be more organic. It was just, it was there. You could tell it was like, we need to catch everybody up. How do we do that? I'll just blame that scene. Jamie was sick and sad. I mean, <laughs> I know when I'm not feeling my well, very well. I don't really think that well either. I know. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too, what you mentioned was the fact that Claire was trying to convince Jamie. Yes, I got that too. And it's good to know that they both came to that conclusion in the book. I would say within the show, I think Jamie is struggling with this idea because he is struggling with his nationalistic tendencies. I think he's struggling with the, the whole notion of, do I really want to prevent this? And that being said, I wonder if it gets played out a little bit more in oh, the series. It oh, it's because definitely going to. it will be a really interesting non-book thing. Right. And, and you know what? It sets up a conflict between Jamie and Claire. Mm -hmm. Not everything is all hunky freaking dory between these two if Jamie uh, if Jamie pushes back. And I'm not saying, screw you, Claire, we're not doing this again, you know. But, like, if he has doubt, and if Claire's like, you cannot doubt this, you know, like, if she does that. They're going to have some conflicts, don't you? There's going to be good conflict. And that that is what matters to the character. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is uh, Kathy from New Jersey. And I just wanted to say, in, your, in response to your question about Frank, um, I definitely enjoyed um, all the time they, they showed us last night uh, with Frank. I was not a big fan of Book Frank, but I'm really enjoying seeing what um, we didn't really get from the books. And I, I look forward to um, seeing more of that play out and what life was really like with Frank um, in those 20 years when Claire went back. So we get an inkling of what it's like when we read, but um, seeing seeing Frank is um, was definitely a plus for me. And Tobias, uh, he, he just brought it home. He uh, definitely, it was all about him last night. So thanks. Bye. That's 
You are more than welcome, my friend. More than welcome. I will gladly talk about Tobias any day. Yes, you will. You know what I should do? No. We, I should just start a separate podcast oh my just God. for Tobias Menzies. You can do that one by yourself. I mean, I love me <laughs> Tobias, but I need to sleep some days, Blake. If I could have a... This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a podcast about Tobias Menzies, Benedict Cumberbatch, J.J. Abrams, and Damon Lindelof. I'm just going to go eat mac and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Vicki from North Carolina. I've been listening to you guys for a long time now. You even got me started on uh, on the leftovers. <laughs> um, anyway, to talk about last night's episode and Frank, the usage of the uh, story differences from the book to this, I think are fantastic. Um, Tobias Menzies put in a, an amazing performance. And the two different things that I really noticed were the way he looked so hurt whenever Claire said that she wanted to speak to Mrs. Graham. Uh, I think he already had an inkling it was going to have something to do with the Standing Stones and a man of science or, and letters was not interested probably in that kind of uh, uh, story uh, that he was not looking forward to hearing. And the other thing, excuse me, I'm kind of nervous trying to cram all this, these thoughts into a minute and a half. Um <laughs> Whenever uh, she said, don't mention the word flogging to her ever again, that he was really upset by that because it meant that she had mentioned probably something about Blackjack and how badly he treated Jamie. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see how they treat uh, that character going forward, and I know they probably will, but I don't know how much more they're going to uh, deal with him in the coming weeks. There's so much to talk about as related to France. So I hope to... I hope you have more clan gatherings and good luck on this new season. It was really exciting to listen to last night and share with all the friends that are friends of Outlander. Thanks. I thank you guys for all you do. And uh, be blessed uh, with the little lass and the little lad that you have mm -hmm. there. Well, I thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Vicki, for the blessings. And, uh, and great point about... Um, uh, Blackjack Randall in the flogging uh, term and, and Claire saying that to Frank and that I mean that is proof right there that she mentioned Blackjack Randall and she must have mentioned at least the um, ferocity that BJR must have used against Jamie I mean that would make sense right yeah I, I think so. So that I think that's good proof. And uh, uh, Vicky, we know that you are a loyal listener for for a long time, and I just want to say thank you for listening so much. And uh, I am so happy that we got you into the leftovers. I know. For anybody that does not know this, Mary and I do another podcast about the leftovers called The Living Reminders, and The Leftovers is a television show on HBO. And uh, Vicky apparently is a listener to that, so uh, I will I will do this for you too. Because I didn't know that you listened to the Leftovers podcast. So thank you very much. Uh, this is the last voicemail. Let's get to it. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Annie calling from Dallas. I'm calling about the Outlander season two premiere. And I am giving this episode 3.8 kilts. Um, mm -hmm. I loved the portion spent in 1948 with Frank, but felt that the time spent in France fell kind of flat. Uh, first off, I just want to say that I think Bear did an amazing job. I love the addition of the French to the opener. Um, as far as 1948 goes, I loved all of the emotions that we got to see from Claire's landing and her first encounter with that Scotsman to Frank freaking out in the shed. Um, I do wish that we knew at least a little bit of what Claire told Frank. Like, I wonder if he actually knows about BJR and how many, like, questions he asked concerning, like, the time period and things like that. 
And I think that that could have been done similar to the wedding where they just flash in for different moments and didn't take the time to tell us full stories. Um, I do think that Frank reacted kind of harshly to Claire, which didn't really seem to match his love and devotion to her. I would have liked to see him um, choose to help her to find all the information she wanted so that she could put Jamie to rest in her mind. And I think that just would have been more on par with what we've seen of his character so far. Um, I love the little arc where uh, Frank was using the clothing as his arc for kind of choosing whether or not he wanted to believe her. I thought that that stayed true to his scholarly nature. Um, and overall, I just thought that the episode was great. I thought it was a lot of fun, very emotional. Um, I, I know that they're going to show more with France, and so I'm choosing to not be too disappointed by the lack of drama, hmm. uh, but excited to see what will come the rest of the season. Well, love you guys. Have a great day. Well, we love you too, my friend, and I will tell you that I think you nailed it on all fronts on this call. Uh, I think, Frank, you know, the, the reaction is a, is, is a little tough. Um, and th- there was very little drama in France. I think on, on all levels, you, you you nailed it. And uh, I'm I'm actually excited to get to the rest of France now and, and to see how they to see how they go. And what 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 I'm really most excited for though is how does Claire get back? How does Claire get back to Scotland? Um, if at all. I mean I, I mean uh, this is gonna have to wait for another outlandish theory of the week. I, I gotta let this one marinate. Okay. I, I gotta let this one simmer a little bit, um, and uh, we'll we'll figure that out. Um, you have any final thoughts? Because I think this is the end of our uh, the end of our episode. Nope. I don't. I don't. I don't think I have any final thoughts either. I think. Uh, I think we're ready to close it out. All right. Let's do it. Well, as we close out this first inaugural listener feedback episode, that I, th- I think went very well. What do you think, kiddo? You think it went well? I think you guys have amazing feedback. And do not hesitate if you need to call Blake or I out, just like some of you did, because yeah. we are just two people in this ginormous <laughs> Outlander fandom. And I love it. I love this community. Two people sitting in our basement with a babysitter upstairs eating, <laughs> eating mac and cheese with microphones in the front of our faces. Um, we want to let you know that this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the OutlanderExperience.com. Come take an intimate tour of Scotland with Jeff Robinson and the owner of the Outlander Experience and embark on a fully planned, fully escorted 10-day luxury tour where you can retrace Jamie and Claire's romance and visit quaint Scottish villages, magnificent castles, or stay at historic inns and explore all the major sites where Outlander Season 1 was filmed. So visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip you've always wanted, you know you've always wanted, but never knew you actually needed to get the Outlander Experience. So tell them, please, that Mary and Blake sent you. Theoutlanderexperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. Be sure to stick around and go on over to the Outlander Cast blog, especially Saturday night, <laughs> to read every single episode as uh, Ashley. She's going to be live blogging each episode as it airs. So head on over to the Outlander Cast blog to read other 
awesome things, but also for the live blogging. Hmm. Now, to continue this conversation, I want to hear from you, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also email us at outlandercast.gmail.com. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, no, that's my, I have, that's my I have something new. I have something new. Okay. So I had to steal it. Uh. Just today, guys, I created a Facebook group. It's called the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering. And that's for you. It's for us. It's for you. It's for us all to chat. Because after reading this listener feedback, I was like, gosh, everyone has such amazing ideas. And nobody's right. And nobody's wrong. And we just need to do this together. So it is a Facebook group. Just type in Outlander space cast space clan gathering. You'll find us there. That's right. And let me me just say that. Let me me say my line at outlandercast at gmail. Website support, you can always go to outlandercast.com and check out the button that says support where you can, you know, where Mary can hit the mic as I'm talking. (laughs) It totally messed me up. (laughs) Where you can support us uh, by telling a friend that we exist on Facebook or Twitter or or Instagram or smoke signals or whatever. But another important thing to help keep this a free podcast is to go to patreon.com, type in Tall Mom Media. That is our company. And if you'd like to donate a dollar or two, we would be honored to accept that. Again, to help keep this a free podcast podcast and if you ever want to call and leave a voicemail for us just call 503-454-6730 i wanted to really thank diane from new jersey who wrote us a review on itunes she gave us five stars thank you so much and said great banter between blake and mary love that one is a book reader and one is not and i've decided I love the spring. It's going to be my birthday pretty soon. Those of you who write an iTunes review between today, which is April 13th, and my birthday, which is May 5th, I'm going to send you a personally stamped handwritten card. Get out of here. Thank you for your iTunes review. So it needs to be written. And the way you do it is you send us an email at outlandercast at gmail.com and say, hey, Mary, I'm Diane from New Jersey. Here's my mailing address. And I'll have seen your review, and I'm going to send you a little mail, because I, I love snail mail. I didn't even know about this. This is amazing. Well, I love mail, and I hate bills. <laughs> I wonder if my mystery Massachusetts girl will send us one. Maybe she will, and then, then we'll be able to, you know, just send it, and she'll get there in a day or two. 1948. Oh, that was great. Well, that's it. Well, until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.